Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Well, we have been in a series of something that we've called God Cares. Everybody say, God Cares. You know, one of the biggest things that drew people to Jesus and set him apart from the religion of his day and the religious crowd of his day, one of the biggest things was his ability to demonstrate the care of God in people's lives. They had relocated God to kind of this stiff, staunchy, in a box, do's, don'ts kind of a thing. And that when people would come in contact with him, he would demonstrate the care of God to them in their life. And we see this in the New Testament, not just with Jesus, but after he gave his life, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon everybody, that that demonstration of care just continued, except for it ramped up even greater. And the reason it ramped up even greater is because Jesus could only be at one place at one time, but then when you get thousands of people that are just little Jesuses running around, he, they'd be everywhere. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so people, what would happen is, is people began to expect it. And, and God loves it when we expect it or we place our trust in him. I think that we're the same way as people. How many of you know that when somebody trusts you, you like it? You, you, when somebody says, oh, I trust you, I expect, I, whatever you say, I, I trust what you say, I think. And so what would happen is, is people would trust and they would expect and God would come through and, and it was infectious in the New Testament. In this series that we've been talking about, um, God's care is experiencing God's care and his compassion and his ability in our here are right in now, right where we live, in the midst of whatever is going on. Because we're going to face things and we're going to go through things, and it's in those times that we reflect on what God's promises are in that specific area. So if you're here and you say, hey, right now, my family is going through it. Are you right now anchored on a promise from God's word in regard to that specific area? area. You say, well, my health right now, are you anchored on a promise in regard to that specific area? I like Psalms 119 as me and my wife were praying for this service this morning. She she read this and I was like, oh my gosh, I like that. But in Psalms 119 verse 50, it says this, your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. I like that. I like that. And so the, the first week we talked about my beliefs in about God's care um, are connect are they connected to who he really is as described in the Bible? What do I believe about God's care? Are they actually connected or have I just kind of patch quilt put a few things together. The second week we talked about 
recognizing, trusting in, and cooperating with the protection of God over our life. What does it look like to live under the protection of God? Last week, we talked about that God wants me to look at him when I need healing and, and realize that Jesus just as real as he paid for my sin. We would all agree on that. Just as real as Jesus paid for, he, he brought forgiveness into my life. At the same time, we found out last week, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that he provided for my healing. And so there are times he will do it instantly. There are times he will use a doctor. There will times there are times he will do it progressively. But he wants me to look at him and trust him in that area. And today what we're going to talk about is what does the Bible say about God providing for my life? What does it say about God's provision within my life? See, my belief about God providing is huge in my life. You know, when we lived in California, which was quite a few years back, is um, I remember um, being like in my 20s and thinking people that were in their 40s were like over the hill. How many of you are with me on that? And I would look, and, and we, had, we, had, we had these neighbors, and um, his name was Ray, and her name was Marie, and, um, and they became our, if you have kids, I would strongly encourage you to pray for, and, you're, and you don't have any parents around or grandparents, pray for them. Pray for them. Because Ray, we call her Ray and Ree, is they became our kids' surrogate grandparents, and they would come over like two or three times a week, and she was about this tall, and she would knock on the door, and she would say, she would say, don't you guys want to go out on a date night tonight? And we'd be like, yeah. How many of you know what I'm saying? And she would just come over and they'd play games, whatever, whatever, whatever. And whenever her and her husband would get in fights, she would come over more. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so they would come over and they had a relative and his name was Harold. Everybody say Harold. I'm not going to give you any more. But he was somebody that loved God, but he had a belief that God wanted him poor and just barely making it. And in the group that he was part of in his younger days, he had taken a vow of poverty. And so it was kind of the order that he was part of. And, and so he just believed that the poorer you were, the more humble you were, and God was happy with that. Let me just tell you, what you have has nothing to do with your pride. I've met people that didn't have two nickels to rub together, but they were the most arrogant people I ever met. How many of you know what I'm saying? And then I've been around people that have a lot, but it is not, it's a condition of the heart. And I remember they, they, he, someone gave him a car and this car, now I'm going to date myself, but this car had cruise control and air conditioning and he was struggling with it because it was too ritzy. <laughs> and I thought to myself, number one, that car is a bomb. How many of you know it's old, you know, one of those old cars that when you turn the corner, it takes five minutes for the back end to make it around. How many of you know what I'm saying? And he was like, I think I'm just going to sell it and get a more humble car. And I'm like, what? Where did that even come from? You know what I'm saying? But I want to just ask you, what is your belief about God's natural provision or providing in your life? Because it's huge in your life. And look at what it says in Jesus in Matthew 6, 25 through 31. He said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. And then he zeroes it right down. 
whether you have enough food and drink and enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work at making their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what are we going to eat? What will we drink? And what will we wear? I've, I've read this verse before, and I, I, I'm just going to be really honest. If I was a bird in Michigan in February, I might be stressed. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but they're not. Have you ever seen a stress sparrow or a stress starling? Have you ever seen one? No, they just, they just absolutely trust. And look at the Lord's Prayer. And to me, this is just so, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he said this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And look at verse 11. Give us today the food we need. Look, I mean, that is just like a bold, God, give me today the food that I need. Not if it's your will, no, I'm not. God, give me today the things that I need. It's a level of courage. In Philippians 4, 19, and if you knew the backdrop of this, what you find out is that this particular church, the Philippian church, was a church that was, I would call them Paul's pet church, but the reason is, is because they took him very personally in taking care of him and providing for him in his, in his missions work. And if you look, um, Philippi was an affluent kind of a retirement Roman area. And so what they would do is that they would give to him consistently and regularly in his trips. They got hold of the principle of tithing. And so they began to tithe to him. And Paul writes back to them and look at what he said in Philippians 4.19. He said, and my God will liberally supply, fill until full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Look at the word there, according to. I want you to think about it. If you came to me and you said, Pastor Mike, can you help me with this need? I'm going to be able to help you, but it's in according to what I have. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's in according to the depth of my pocket. But look at what he said right here. He said that God would meet our needs according to his riches, according to what he has, according to everything that he has. And if you stop and you think about it, is God wants me to get a grasp that he's a big God. He's a good God. He loves to provide. He wants me to have, he wants me to not just have enough or barely enough. I mean, it talks about in Malachi, if 
you read Malachi 3, he said that if I would recognize him as my provider, that he would meet every need that I have, and he calls me to honor him with the tithe or the first tenth of all of my increase, and he said, I will pour out on your life a blessing that is so large you don't have room to receive it, and I'll rebuke the devourer, that's the devil, when he tries to steal it. God is a really good God. He's a really good provider. He is really, really good. And if you look, he, he promised to prosper whatever we put our hands to. And there's so many examples of this in the Bible. We, I could look, and when I was praying about this, I began to say, well, maybe I could do a, I could, you know, I could, I could stop and I could, oh, okay, I'll, I'll use Abraham, or, you know, I'll use Joshua, or I'll use Caleb, or, Maybe I'll use Miriam or Deborah or David or Solomon, you know, or maybe look at the, all the Old Testament kings that feared God and, and watch how God blessed them. Or I could jump into the New Testament and we could look at Jesus. Some people make this assumption, well, Jesus just skimped and just barely got along. I want to ask you a question. If he just skimped, why does he need a treasurer? And if Judas could steal money from it and nobody noticed, it means there's something in there. There's something in there. Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't lacking. He wasn't, God provided for him. I mean, you look in the New Testament, Barnabas, or you look at, at Cornelius, or you look at Lazarus, or you look at Philemon, you look at all of these examples, but there are universal truths that I believe that we can glean as we stop and say, okay, Lord, you want me to see you as not just my provider, but as a really good provider. And so there's certain universal truths, I believe, that we can stop and glean and connect each of them in our life. I would say this, things that increase me seeing the favor of God in the area of provision, the favor of God in him providing for my life, things that increase that in, uh, in our life. And, and so it's directly connected to my will. My will must choose him because we've got this will thing. How many of you know, how many of you wish you could take a pill that just fixed your will? How many of you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Lord's like, forgive him. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm going to forgive him, but I ticked a little bit. How many of you just take the pill? Oh my gosh, I just love you. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. We got this area, you know. Maybe we're here, and we're just like we just got this this temptation, and the Lord's like, just be quiet, don't say another word. We're like, blah, 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 and God, you take the pill. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's all gone. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And so, and, and, and so when we talk about this is realize that when we talk about our will, God set up this system called sowing and reaping. He set it up from the very first day. He said, as long as the earth is here, this system is going to dominate. He set it up to bless our life. God set this system up. I encourage you to try it. I mean, it works in every area. Go into your least favorite grocery store to your least favorite checker and look at them and smile. Wow, you look nice today. And watch, you'll crack a smile on it. You sewed it, you got it. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, it works in every, it's, it's the same. You say, it just 
Sow a good attitude, you'll get a good attitude. It's the same in regard. But see, realize that it's my will that must align. My will. Satan tries to get in anything God creates to bless our life. Satan tries to use it to destroy our life by just going the opposite direction and, and us saying, God, what's going on? And so I want to, I have too many, so I'm not going to tell you how many, but I'm just going to go along until I don't have any time. Number one is this. <laughs> Number one is this, is I get to define prosperous in my life. I define it. I define what prosperous is. What do I define as prosperous? If you were right now, it's already, you've already got a definition in your life, but what do you define as prosperous? See, if my definition is healthy and it's good and it's right, then my life is steered in the direction of healthy good and right. But if my definition isn't right or isn't good, then my life is steered in that direction. And if it's right, this is what I have found out, is the longer I go, the better it gets. But if it's wrong, the longer I go, the worse it gets. And, that, and what we've got to understand is God tries to influence this because it affects everything. He lets me choose my definition. He lets me pick it. But if it's not affected by him or his word, then realize this, that I have just simply adopted a secular definition of prosperous and providing, and God wants to bring renewal in that because the longer I go down those tracks, I'm going to be frustrated and I'm going to be unhappy and I'm going to be unfulfilled because my definition doesn't match this. And I'm just going to throw out a few thoughts, but is my relationship with God in, the, in my definition? definition of prosperous. Is it in there? Can you see where my, if someone were to say, well, what is prosperous to you? Would you, would you say, well, number one is it's my relationship with God. He's my umph. He's the one. How many of you know what I'm when I say that? See my definition, it's going to determine my health and my foundation of my life is built on that definition. Your life right now is built on the definition of what you define as prosperous, of what you define as this. Look at what it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through verse 9. And, and I'm gonna, they're going to put it up on the screen. But in this text, um, God is speaking to Joshua. And he said to Joshua, in regard to it, we're going to see he's talking about prospering and leading and directing Joshua's life, but he uses the words three times in four verses that I need you to be strong and courageous. I need you to be strong and very courageous. This, this verse is all about Joshua experiencing the provision of God, but it's precipitated by being strong and courageous. Being strong and courageous is I need to own it. I need to own my life. I need to own my walk. I need to own where I'm at in my soul. I need to own navigating my course. I got to own it. I can't blame anybody for where I'm at. I can't stop and say, well, it's because of this, because of this, because of this. I need to stop and say, you know what? I gotta, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be powerful and I'm going to own where I'm at. I'm going to own where my heart is at right now. 
And so when you look at what it says in verse six, it says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead this people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. I didn't know why, but I just feel stirred right now in my heart. Um, Well, I know why. (laughs) Um, Some of us parents right now, you're wanting your kids to to, um, build their life on things that last. Understand they're taking their cue from you. They're taking it from you. And, and, and he's, he's talking right here. God said, you're going to lead this people right now. We're leading our families. We're leading them. And me being strong and courageous has a direct impact on those that are right behind me. It's, I got to do, well, I'm not feeling it, Lord. Get your butt off the toilet and get up anyway. How many of you know what I'm saying? Okay, never mind. That wasn't nice. <laughs> Some of you were like, did he just say that? I'm sorry. Take that out. online. Look, pastor slept. <laughs> okay. Number seven is this. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful, I like that, in everything you do. Man, do we not want that? Oh, I want to be successful, Lord, in everything. Not like one thing out of 10, in everything. Look at verse eight. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. There's the everything or all again. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I like that. and, And sometimes in our life when we talk about, okay, I get to define prosperous. The first place we start is my soul prosperous. Am I prospering in my soul? Because understand when I'm prospering in my soul, it's making my way prosperous automatically. Look at what it says in 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. See, I'm in charge of my own values, my own priorities, and my own pursuits. And I'm just going to throw this out there right now. And just simply, I don't have time to give you a verse for each one of these, but number one, when we talk about prospering in our life, number one is my relationship with God. It's, you know what, God, you're I pursue you. I put you forth with it first in my life. Maybe the second one is if you're married, your mate should be a top, a priority right underneath God. Not third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, but they should be right underneath God. And then after maybe you're you're married and, and you have kids in your life, then your kids should come the next after that. Your kids are not equal to your mate. Without your mate, you wouldn't have no kids. How many of you know what I'm saying? saying. 
And so your kids should come after your mate in your life. Some people are so wrapped up with their kids and their grandkids that they forget about their mate. How many of you know what I'm saying? And you stop and you say, okay, this is where I'm at. Then after that, when we talk about prosperous, it's relationships, it's community, it's people within my life. God is into people that I have healthy community and healthy relationships. And then after that, maybe your career, your goals, your aspirations, and all of those things. But if you flip it and you're like, okay, my first thing in my life is my career and my goals and my this and my that. God's like, you know what? The longer you go down that road, it's just going to get worse. It's just not going to be as the way you want it to go because your definition doesn't match his. Number two is this, is see myself as a manager of everything and an owner of nothing. I'm going to say it again. I need to see myself that God, I'm just a manager of everything and an owner of nothing. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, remember that word, Lord of my life. Lord means he's fourth, right? Fifth, eighth, 10th. When I made him Lord of my life, I said, you're first God. And so, I, Lord, I just, I manage everything and I own nothing. And, and I know it's, it's easily to just mentally say, oh, I agree with that, brother. Amen. Preach it, brother. How many of you know what I'm saying? I, it's super easy to say that. But realize this, that in Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said that God can tell where my heart is by where my money is. That's what Jesus said. He said, God, can, God looks at what we do with what he entrusts us with, our treasure, and it ref, it's a reflection of our heart. Where we're at, look at what it says in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will also be. So you can tell what I'm centered on by where my treasure is. If you're into horses, I could tell by looking at your money. How many of you know what I'm saying? You're just like, you know, remember somebody kicked me that my wife's leaving me. She threw this bridle at me and said, go sleep with your horses. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm like, dude, you put your horses above your wife. It's how many of you know what I'm saying? It's one of the greatest places this is revealed is with my finances. Jesus said it. You, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He says, my finances reveal my functioning priorities, not my stated priorities, but my functioning priorities and recognizing God. God, you're my provider. I'm just going to ask you straight up. Does God show up in my finances? Okay, do I tithe? Do I worship him there? Does he show up? Because if he doesn't, it's not a finance thing. It's a heart thing. Are you with me? And God wants to just the heart because the finances just follow the heart. That's all they do. They just follow it. You can always tell where somebody's heart is by, you, by just simply looking back and saying, oh, here's where their finances, that reflects where their heart is. Number two is this, is cultivate, or three, cultivate a generous spirit. Am I a generous person? And I'm, let me be really clear. I'm not implying go in debt. 
I am not saying that. As a matter of fact, unless God speaks to you, I would strongly encourage you, don't go in debt in regard to just to give to somebody. Look to be a blessing to someone else besides us four and no more. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this in 25. It says, there is one who generously scatters abroad and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, but it results only in want and poverty. Verse 25, the generous person is a source of blessing and shall be prosperous and enriched. And that person who waters will themselves be watered, reaping the generosity they have sown. Can I see more than just myself? Some of us were like, okay, I tithe, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But we don't think about nobody else. We only think about ourselves. And stop and just say, wow, can, can I, you know, if God speaks to me to buy somebody, a candy bar in the grocery store or pay for somebody's groceries and I got the cash. Am I, do I struggle with it or do I just be like, no, Lord, I can, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? And, you, and, you, and we just flow. Number four is this, is self-control is key. It is absolutely key. In Galatians 5, it lists all of these virtues that the Holy Spirit brings when he comes into our life and he brings these into my life, but they're in a, a small, form that must grow. And it says this in Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Now look at this next one, and self-control. Look at that, self-control. The Holy Spirit's influence on my life should cause me to manage myself well. It should cause me to do that. Do, do I spend everything I get or have I taught myself to prioritize and say no? Have I taught myself? This is what I've noticed is that God will always give me more vision than I have resources. How many of you know what I'm saying? He will always give me more vision than I have resources. But then if I'm healthy, what that does is it causes me to stop and, and pray and seek the Lord for more provision, but then it also causes me to stop and prioritize and say, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And so, Lord, when you do this, I'm going to do that. You know, we've got this system in America that really screws up our life, and it's the whole debt structure. It's a whole debt structure of, oh, you can just, I mean, someone was, <laughs> someone was coming in for, for counseling and they came um, for, because they were in a mess financially and they came in dancing and excited because their credit line just got extended. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm like, that is not a reason to dance. How many of you know what I'm saying? That's like the person that has a struggle with alcohol buying a liquor store. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, not, not, it, <laughs> You know, somebody, I, uh, this was a lot of years back. They don't go here anymore. But um, a lot of years back, they came to me and they said, Pastor Mike, they said, um, I'm struggling. And I said, well, what, you know, what's the deal? And they have rental properties. And they said, I got somebody in one of my houses that goes to the church and they're involved in the church. 
and the rent is due and they didn't pay the rent. And when I went to them and said, hey, you, you know, your, your rent is due and they didn't pay the rent. They informed them that God had provided for them a mechanic to work on their dirt bike to fix their dirt bike. And so the rent money weren't, went to their dirt bike. And they said, what should I do? Let's just throw it out there. Just thought. <laughs> what did you say, honey? <laughs> they said, what should I do? Because they said, it's the, it's the blessing of the Lord. and He'll provide all their needs. And you know, I said, well, I would recommend you just sending them. What have they got? Their three-day notices, I think, or whatever they are. Say, your rent needs to be due, paid on this time. And if you're not, you need to move out. You say, why? Because that is a self-control issue. Are you with me? You say, well, you are a harsh pastor. No, I'm a loving pastor. And understand that if that is left alone, it will just get worse. It will just absolutely get worse. Some of you are like, whoa, dude. How many of you are with me on that? Can I give you one more just really quick? Just one more. Work hard. Let's try it again. Say work. Now say this to me. Say this. I love to work. Oh, that was so weak. So weak. Okay, now let's say it like Jesus is up here right now. He Jesus here. Say I love to work. Say, why is that? I'm just going to throw this out. What do you do for a living? What am I doing? Whatever I'm doing now is preparation for the next season of my life. God's, God's, it's, he's preparing me there. You say, well, I'm not where I want to be. Well, neither was Moses, neither was Joseph, neither was Paul. They weren't where they want to be. They weren't where they wanted to be. Jesus came and he's like, I'm going to get out of here soon. I want to go to heaven. But he did a really good job when he was down here. He did, a he did a really good job. What would those around me describe me as? Would they say I have a good work ethic and I'm a hard worker? Or they, would they say, ah, oh, they're late, they whatever, whatever, they got attitude, whatever, whatever, whatever. God is saying, I want to bless you, but understand, God has set it up this way. See, if, if we don't like work, realize it affects God's blessing on our natural life. It will affect it. It will affect it. Colossians 3, 23 and through 25. Work willingly at whatever you do. It doesn't say if you love what you do, just realize you're not going to stay there forever, but at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Wow. How many of you? That's one of those verses. Like, wow. What did, but let me just, can I just put that in straight terms? God will give you a little spanking. How many of you know what I'm saying? It just, it just, it just be like, you, you know what I'm saying? It's Proverbs 
16, or Proverbs 13, 11, and I'm going to finish with this. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. Amen. Stand up. Y'all, some of y'all are like, I could tell, don't be mad at me. Some of y'all are like, dude, you're just getting up in my space today. My wife's up here. You know, it's always good when your wife amens you from the, from the corner over here. <laughs> but in our lives, realize this. I want to tell you, God is a really good provider. Two of you agree with that. I said, God's a really good provider. But what he wants me to know is my will needs to align with his will in order to experience all that he has for my life. Just close our eyes for a moment. Lord, today we come before you and we recognize you as our provider. Lord, we're desiring to grow in this area. And Lord, I know that as I stand up here, there are those that, Lord, this has been a challenge in their life. And Lord, I pray for a tipping point. Lord, I pray for maybe a heart adjustment or a view adjustment because you're a really good God and you want to bless. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness and your goodness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you've never given your heart to the Lord. You've never come to a spot where you said, you know what, I'm, I'm just done doing it my way and I need Jesus today. I want to pray with you right where you're at. As a matter of fact, we're all going to pray together. But that's you. On the count of three, I want you to just lift your hand. By lifting your hand, you say, Lord, I'm coming out of just a comfortable place and into a place that says, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. That's you today. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I give you my heart and the rest of my life. Help me, God, to know you. I go all in. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.